I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. First off, I want to say that I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity to come back together again to discuss enemy love and retaliation. I've got to say that the last episode was a challenging one for me because I didn't feel like I had the ability to speak up and share my thoughts on this topic. And in many of the situations that I've been in or witnessed, that's basically where this would end. Someone feels shut down or unable to contribute to the discussion. Feelings get hurt. Relationships are stressed. And then everyone goes home (laughs) and basically just stays that way and just unaddressed. It's an open wound that just kind of festers over time. But I'm really grateful that's not what we're doing here. Uh, We're trying to cultivate space and we're trying to cultivate relationships between each of us that allow for hard conversations to happen with love, respect, and humility. And I know this is not easy, (laughs) and it's taken us many months of deep conversation to get to this point, Uh, but I know by the fact that we're we're back in this room uh, that we're united in this mission, and I'm grateful to God to be in this space. I believe what we're doing here, this having these types of conversations, is a foundational skill that we all need to thrive in our lives, relationships, and churches. And so I hope that this conversation today can be an inspiration to others um, that these conversations are possible and are worth striving for. Yeah, Tim, I I agree with what you're saying. And um, I'm also so happy that we're coming back together to do this because um, there is what usually happens is like you said, people shut down they have hurt feelings or they're angry and that rift just grows. The other thing that can happen, and this is a thing that happens very often in pop culture, is that it gets nasty. It gets bitter. People get angry. Or there's just a decision that's made that, okay, we will agree to disagree. And that is a thing, I think, but most of the time, I think when people say agree to disagree, what they mean is, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. You're mm-hmm. not going to listen to me anymore. Right. We are not We are not on the same track, so let's just stay separate. Yeah. And that kind of thing separates relationships and marriages and churches and all kinds of organizations, and it does it every day, all the time. So I am, I'm so grateful for the fact that we get to do this. I'm actually very grateful for the fact that we don't agree on everything, <laughs> that it's not a, a sounding board for each other's agreement. Um, yeah, that's too. in some ways the only ways that people talk these days. It was with people that they agree with. Yeah, yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I'm so grateful for this uh, this space that we're in. And yeah, there's no writing each other off here. There's no like uh, judging and thinking, okay, well, nope, wash, wash my hands of this and see you later. Uh, not at all. So I'm, I'm really grateful that we get to be in this space and come back to this. Amen. And I do want to acknowledge um, Daryl was going to join us and 
couldn't make it due to a conflict that came up last minute. Um, so we're having this conversation uh, on script with the three of us, but you know, there's many other conversations that happen off script and um, just happy to be here to, to have this with the three of us. Um, so with that said, let's dive in. Um, could one of you guys read Matthew 5, 38 through 48 to kind of set the context? And then I've got a few questions I'd like to discuss. I would be happy to. Uh, Matthew 5, starting in verse 38, uh, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, you know, as after we had our past conversations about this, I went back and I listened to what we were talking about. And that was really helpful for me. Uh, one, to see, you know, how much we discussed that I just think is so true. And I will spend mm -hmm. time at the end uh, of this conversation meditating on those areas. Um, but there's a couple of key ideas that I feel like uh, we need to discuss in a little bit more depth. Uh, and so let's start with the question of assault. So in, in one of our previous conversations, we talked about the proverbial example of a thief breaking into your house, <laughs> yeah. right? And Matt, you brought up Exodus 22, verse 2 through 3, which I think is uh, a really important thing to bring into this conversation. Uh, it says, if a thief is caught breaking in at night, and has struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. So based on that scripture and much, you know, lots that you guys talked about in those conversations, uh, the consensus I heard from the group seemed to be that Jesus' teachings on retaliation and enemy love address insult, but not assault. So put another way, these teachings relate to the like 95% of the time situations where we're just, we're slighted, we're taken advantage of by others, maybe in an economic way, um, but that these don't, these teachings don't necessarily relate to situations where we're physically in danger. So that was my understanding of what you guys said and kind of where you came to. And so the first question that I have is just like, did I summarize that right? Did I did I understand you correctly? Um, and 
after that, I really am curious, like in what ways, if any, do Jesus's teachings and the teachings of the apostles relate to situations when we are physically in danger? Yeah. The, I'm, I'm glad you, thank you for that question. I, I, um, but first I, I, I think I'll take that in chunks and, yep. um, the first part I'd say, yeah, generally, I think that's a fair summary. Um, particularly when you're looking at the retaliation section, um, I think it is, um, more insult than assault. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the Exodus 22 passage and read it because I, I didn't spend much time with it. I just referenced it quickly and kept moving. Um, but there's a lot more nuance to it. And the point I brought out last time is that the law assumes we'll protect ourselves. I think that's still true. The value of human life that we hear in thou shalt not kill or in Genesis when, um, it says we're made in God's image. I think that applies to everyone. We should value our lives and the lives of our loved ones as we do others' lives. So if someone's threatening our life or the life of one of our, our loved ones, um, we can do something about it. If we can, we should do. We should do something. Um, but here's where the nuance comes in. If we kill the intruder at night, it's not considered murder, but it's different during the day. Why is that? I think there's an assumption behind these verses that we should only do what is necessary to protect and either repel or subdue the intruder. During the day, we can call for help. There's a lot more people awake uh, who could hear our cries for help. Uh, during the day, we can see what's going on and we when we defend ourselves. So if we kill the intruder during the day, it's a lot different than if we do it at night and we could unintentionally kill him or uh, in the dark by accident or be caught in a situation where there's either their life or our life because no one hears our cries, no one's come to help. And oops, you know, so I don't know. There's a lot more nuance there. And I think, uh, but the larger teaching, I still think that you can draw behind it, the heart behind it um, is true about protecting. Um, but so I, I think that it is a different situation that Jesus is talking about in the in the retaliation uh, uh, section. I think the backhanded slap is very much about insult, and um, the the Mishnah. I think that was that was something that I I made reference to. Um, records the it's the recorded oral tradition of the Pharisees during the the second uh, temple period, which is that's the same time that intersects with Jesus. Um, and it, it details how much someone could sue for such an insult twice as much as the front handed slap. And I think so in, I think the point we were making there was in an honor society, uh, that would be a huge deal. And so that, you know, you could look at this and say, if someone slaps you, what's a big, you know, don't be such a baby. Uh, but in that culture, that would have been a significant thing. And so this would have been a teaching that he is addressing here. Um, but I think there's also, um, when you get to the hate your enemies piece of it, the the next part, I think that's also, context, there's some context, context there too that would be helpful to bring out um, about how, um, you know, groups of people 
uh, othered each other and hated each other. And I think there's a semantic context that we we uh, have been running into a little bit here that we we talked about a little bit in in passing um, about the anger stuff that we really didn't cover when we were we were looking at it. But the the term raka had this this connotation of of you're you're basically saying someone's outside the the people of God. Um, they're essentially lost. Um, there's another thing in in the Dead Sea Scrolls about hate your enemies. Uh, which is something that that Jesus is 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 a thread that Jesus is pulling on in in these verses here in the uh, community rule or the manual of discipline, which is one of the first scrolls that was discovered. It says, "Love everyone whom God has elected and hate everyone whom He has rejected." Jesus is calling out this teaching as contrary to God's will. Uh, instead, He says that we should love each other especially if you're insulted in, in some extreme way, like the backhanded slap or being called rocker or something. Um, but uh, so that's my long-winded summary of, yes, I think that's a fair, that's a fair, uh, um, fair summary that you, you mentioned Tim. And, and I think uh, the second question I think is a lot more, about physical danger, yeah. I think is situational, but mm-hmm. I, I'd like to hear what other people think. Yeah, too. I'm curious, Van. Like, how I want to make sure that I'm summarizing you guys correctly yes. here. So, how, does that so align with your I, thinking? I felt like the summary was in line with that discussion, and I'll tell you guys, this is this is this is so hard to think about. It's so hard to conceptualize. And as I was thinking about it, preparing for this discussion, I started to really struggle with the whole concept of a hypothetical situation. I had been studying in my in my personal devotional time, I was studying the book of Genesis and reading about the, the temptation, the fall of man, the temptation in the garden. And the serpent comes to Eve and says, did God really say to you, you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? And I thought, what he's introducing there is something, first of all, that didn't really happen. And it's almost a kind of a hypothetical situation. He's saying, did God really say that? And Hmm. uh, Eve replies and says, no, God didn't really say that. She goes on to say, God said we can we could eat from any tree in the garden except that tree in the middle, because if we eat it or eat it, even if we just touch it, we will die. And so somehow that hypothetical setup of the situation had created in her, God did say, don't eat from it, but he did not say, don't touch it. And yeah, somehow she added, to it. she added to it. And I wonder if the hypothetical situation made her add to it. And so I, w- I was thinking through the value of hypothetical situations. It brought me to a scripture in, in uh, Luke chapter 22. This is when Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's about to, uh, he's about to go through the passion. And I'm going to read it if you guys don't mind. I'm going to pick it up in verse 35 of Luke chapter 22. Um, it says, then Jesus asked them, he's with his disciples, when I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, 
and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, Jesus replied. And so I have always read that passage my whole life up until three days ago. I've always read that last statement where Jesus says that's enough as, okay, two swords is enough. Two swords is plenty. We don't need more than two swords. And so when I started to do a little research and I looked at common commentaries and I looked at several commentaries, every single commentary I looked at agreed that Jesus wasn't saying that's enough swords. What he was saying is, that's enough of this conversation. Basically, he was saying this conversation is over. And a lot of the commentators thought that what he was saying was, you guys are not getting what I'm saying. That they were taking literally what he was saying as, yes, we need at least two swords. (laughs) But what he was really doing was he was talking figuratively. What he was saying was, the time is coming when the kind of protection that you enjoyed the last time you went out will not be available to you. In other words, there'll be persecution. In other words, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. In other words, you're going to have to prepare for the hardship to come. And so that made me that made me rethink the whole, okay, so, because I always sort of use that passage as an excuse or as a way to get out of the the okay, is it okay to defend yourself? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jesus is saying it's okay to defend yourself because why would they have two swords? But what Jesus was saying, no, you don't get it. It's not, it's not, I'm not talking about that. And it goes on later in, in uh, Luke 22, in verse 47, it says, while he was speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers, this is the, this is the passage that really is, is fascinating to me. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? So nothing hypothetical is going on here. This is for real. They're coming. They've got clubs. They mean harm. There's going to be violence. Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And touched the man's ear and healed him. And so I, as I was thinking about the discussion that we had, uh, thinking about the the scriptures, thinking about the passages, I thought, and I think there is room for nuance, but I think that nuance is something that has to happen in the moment. Mm-hmm. It has to happen that we get in trouble when we talk about all these hypothetical situations. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not criticizing what we did. I think that we, we our intent was good, but I think hypothetical situations can make us, can make us go like Eve did to an extreme that may not be true, that may not be right. And I think that what Jesus is saying to them is that, look, I'm not talking about 
physical violence here. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about a specific scenario. I'm talking about what the state of your heart needs to be, what the mm-hmm. state of your soul needs to be. And I'm saying, last time I told you, go out, don't worry about anything. I've got it. I'll take care of it. You'll be fine. Now I'm telling you, go out but be prepared. Be prepared for situations that come up. Mm. And clearly, Jesus is not advocating the use. This passage tells me he's not advocating that we uh, necessarily, that we violently protect ourselves. And is he saying, well, those guys don't have swords, so we shouldn't have swords? So I don't know. I don't think so. I think what he's saying is enough of all this uh, uh, conjecture enough about this conversation because you're not understanding it. I I don't think that he's saying that we shouldn't have the conversation. I think what he was saying then is that it's not time. You guys aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. And what the conclusion that I came to from that is the way we deal with this is the way that we're doing it right now. You have to do it in conversation. You have to do it in openness with your brothers. You have to do it presenting what's real. You have to do it presenting what is pertinent to you in Mm -hmm. the situation now. Because the further we get into hypothetical, the the more likely we are to get into trouble and disagreement. And if we're going to disagree, I think it's better to disagree about something that's real and present that we can see, that we can that we can that we can grasp, than to to disagree about a, a hypothetical situation. Yeah, thank you both for um, both. For I'm glad one that I the basic summary that I had is a good summary of what you guys were talking about last time. Um, and yeah, I, 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 when we spend all of our time talking about edge cases, um, the dangers that I can see are one that we, in these hypothetical situations, um, one, we lose sight of, you know, the stuff that's just right in front of our face every day mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. we need to live by. Yeah. Um, which is a lot of what, we discussed in the past past several episodes um and and yeah and that we we can also yeah get kind of caught up in an imaginary world that um (laughs) Mm -hmm. might never actually matter for us um so so i totally hear that and i think uh you know for for the three of us in this room the question of of how do we act when we're physically in danger uh, might be largely a theoretical question for our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Yeah. That is not a theoretical yeah. question. Right. And, and, and for many of those who are listening, that might not be a theoretical question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's still an important question to ask. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so I, I, that's where I'd like to take it next. Um, so, and just ask directly. So, do you guys think that there are that what we see in the New Testament, right? The teachings of Jesus, the of the apostles, the example of the church, you know, how how do these do any of these teachings relate to situations of how we're called to act when we're physically in danger? Yeah. So I I think there is a bit of 
what is Jesus addressing in when he's talking in the Sermon on the Mount? And then there's, uh, which is, again, I think there's a difference in what he's saying there from every possible scenario. And, you know, I think there, I agree, there's some danger in, in getting to hypotheticals. Although, um, even with the Exodus 22 passage, it feels almost like they were trying to think of a hypothetical somehow, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's the, and how can you pull on the the logical argument one way or the other and, and give an extreme and what would happen in that? And how would you, how would you get to the heart behind it by meditating on that, that verse? Mm-hmm. I think you could get somewhere with that, yep. um, which I'm suggesting um, protecting your own self if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, how that is meted out in the New Testament, I think is hard to, I don't think you, there's no definitive like list of possible scenarios where it's going to say, okay, now in this case, you can do this or not. Uh, I think it is in the moment and training yourself to understand a little bit what that, what that might look like. So, but there are a few examples that I thought of um, that are maybe instructive. Um, you know, there are several times where Jesus, it wasn't his time. Mm-hmm. And so he walked away. He left. He got out of a situation that was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul uh, used his Roman citizenship one time to avoid being tortured. Mm-hmm. Good for you, Paul. <laughs> Other times, you know, he he realized he wasn't going to get out of it. Even when people are saying, "Hey, you're going to die. You're going to be you're, you're going to be bound like this," and you know, this is you're you're headed to danger. There's so there are certain times where it may not be possible for us to avoid something. And I think you're right, Tim, and this is a very important thing to mention. For many of our listeners in the United States, this is this is a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. The most that you're going to face is insult, you know, it, not actual persecution like what Jesus is talking about happened to his apostles. Every one of them died except maybe John, exiled on Patmos, mm-hmm. killed for following Jesus. And same through, you know, read Fox, Fox's book of martyrs. Like that, that's just filled with, you know, lists of people mm-hmm. and how they died for their faith in Jesus. And I think that, the, so there is a, a difference there. And, and, and so maybe there's a situation where you can get out of it. Great. But you might have to, in some cases, face, again, for many U.S. hearers, this this is kind of a hypothetical, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say you do have to face someone is going to, you know, harm you for your faith. Well, I think in that situation, you do have to to follow Jesus, who was harmed for his for it. Uh, and I think that uh, there there is a um, there's a lot more to this that we could pull on. I think when uh, you know Paul is writing about respecting people in authority that carry the sword. Mm-hmm. He's writing at a time where those people worked for a government that was under Nero and Christians uh, maybe didn't want to uh, participate in, uh, you know, situations where they would be put in harm, but they, they did anyway, because they loved people that needed their help and they risked their personal lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is different. And, and in some sense, um, I think all of us can take uh, should take this very very seriously about how Jesus humbled himself to to obedience uh, to in humble obedience to death on a cross. Um, in Isaiah, I just want to end here with this: um, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as the sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did he did not open his mouth. 
this is his defining act. Right. So I'd like to respond to that, but I want to make sure, because I think there's a lot that's really awesome that you just shared. And but I want to make sure, Van, do you have anything to add to that in terms of the big picture New Testament teachings? How do these relate to so, physical? Yes, uh, and I and I agree that uh, that that what you were saying, Matt, about for um, when we talk about uh, this situation as middle class Americans, we're kind of armchair quarterbacks mm-hmm. on this. Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to threaten us physically. Uh, Well, let me say it this way. It's probably very unlikely that we're going to be threatened physically because of our faith, that we're going to be, we we live in a, you know, there's crime everywhere and there's random acts of violence everywhere. You know, we live in a country where mass shootings have become normal. But what we're talking about is retaliating. And there's just, there's simply no place in the New Testament that I could find where uh, violent threats were responded to with violence. Mm-hmm. Um, the passage I read before is the closest I've seen. And Jesus, who was right in the midst of it and who was going to be the primary victim of it, said, nope, we're not talking about this now. And no, we're not doing this. And he healed the man who was injured, and so I, I and I think that that's a that's a very uh, that's a very incredibly challenging thing for me. Mm. Um, growing up as I did, now I'm I'm an old man now, and I live in a suburb, and my life is very 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 extraordinarily safe. And I've got an alarm on my house. I've got all kinds of stuff that I don't fear violence very often. Being a black man in America, sometimes I fear violence, you know, from from the police or from whoever. But I, I live a pretty safe life. And I I think the thing that the thing that um the thing that I do in my heart is that I always say God, when I see a situation where I think if that happened to me, if somebody did something to my child or to my wife or to my mother or to my friend, what would I do? Could I turn the other cheek? And the answer to that question is I don't know. But the answer of what should I do in that situation is always yes, I would. I should turn the other cheek. I should... Be more like Jesus. What we're going to talk about in a later podcast, I need to be perfect as my heavenly father <laughs> is perfect. And But perfection for me is not something that I'm ever going to get to in this life. It's also something that I can never stop striving towards. And so I think that what Jesus was saying to the apostles when he said, enough of this conversation, I'm not talking about swords and violence. Um that he's saying we can't have this discussion now but i think that the whole the whole push of scripture is this is a conversation we need to continue to have because we're all striving towards that perfection yeah 
Yeah, I know we um, we're already at thirty minutes, but I think we're <laughs> going to go a little longer on this. Um, there's there's basically two key thoughts that I wanted to address in this episode, but we're only going to have time for one. So we'll do this. We'll finish off this idea, and then we'll we'll tackle the next one in another episode. Um, Sounds good. But what I uh, so you guys are saying similar things, but somewhat different things. Um, I'm gonna simplify a little bit and just respond kind of both to both of you. Um, the reason I phrased the question the way I did is because I thought that we really didn't talk much about being physically in danger mm-hmm. in the previous episodes. And, but this is the kind of the, when we get to talking about bringing things to like logical conclusion, mm-hmm. right? This is where, you know, everyone's mind goes when they read Jesus's words for the first time or hear them for the first time in Matthew 5. And we talked uh, back when we were talking about wrestling with the word, right? Where you were wrestling with, we want to, you know, try to understand how all of the teachings of the Bible fit together, right? We, we, we want to only uh, accept an interpretation if it lines up with the whole arc of scripture. And when I take a step back, right, from all of the, you know, Matthew 5, 30 through, 38 through 48, that's one of the things I got to wrestle with. And I take a step back and I look at all of those examples uh, from from the rest of the New Testament. I agree with you, man. I cannot find a single example where a Christian used violent force to protect themselves or mm-hmm. someone else. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fleeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> run away. Um, there's, if you read Acts, they're just on the run all the time. And in particular, after the stoning of Stephen, yeah. right, it said, uh, Saul proved they're killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, mm-hmm. yep. right? Yep. They are fleeing. They're, no one's trying to die here, right? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, exactly. that's very clear. Um, and, and so, but, but with that said, the only instance of someone using force is what you said, Van. And uh, you were reading the passage in Luke where Jesus says no more of this. And Matthew adds to that in Matthew 26. There Jesus says, put your sword back in its place for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Mm -hmm. So the crux of what I'm saying here is that if we have the teachings of Jesus here in Matthew 5 and uh, other teachings throughout Scripture, um, and I, I can read some of them, but Romans 12, I mentioned mm-hmm. First Peter, that talk about not repaying evil for evil, mm-hmm. submitting to those who are harsh, yeah. suffering for doing good. Uh, if your enemy's hungry, feed him, leaving room for God's wrath. If we have all of that, and we have only examples of people willingly dying rather than defend themselves, then I struggle to see 
how we could take all of that and say, but we can still defend ourselves and maybe kill someone in the process. I just, I just, I don't, I, I can't make that fit. And so that's where, that's where I'm, the crux of where I'm coming from on this particular issue. Um, and I'm curious how you guys respond to that. Yeah, yeah I, I think, um, I think you're right. Even if you look at like the Old Testament where you had a theocratic state and you had the people of God killing others, the larger lesson there, I think that you're supposed to draw is that you need to depend on God mm-hmm. and that you should fight. But when we turn to the New Testament, the fight's not physical. Paul talks about in Second Corinthians that our weapons are not worldly. Mm-hmm. Um so there is a spiritual battle that we're supposed to be waging. Mm-hmm. And when Paul talks about the armor of God and yep. the sword of the spirit, he's not talking about literal swords. No, we're, we're doing battle um, and I, uh, in our own hearts yeah. against sin, and we're doing battle uh, in a spiritual realm and fighting for other people around us too. And mm-hmm. I, it's not the same kind of thing at all. So... Uh, you know, where, where do you come in on, and, and with that knowledge and, and then look at something like defending yourself? I, I think you're right. That, again, going back to the Exodus 22 passage, I think there's an assumption that maybe protection's okay, but not killing. Uh, even if, you know, let's say someone, and, and I think it's the um, difference between the night and day in that, that passage that draws out like, okay, maybe there's a certain situation where you didn't mean to do this and it happened just because someone came in and, you know, you wake up and, ah, there, you know, and accidents happen. But during, if there's, as much as it depends on you, yeah, protect yourself, but you don't, you don't have to kill someone in the process. That's, that is definitely not okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, when I was a kid, I took a uh, took a karate class. When I was a, when I was a teenager, I got to be a green belt, but I was never I was never the fighter. I was not. Um, I went to two karate tournaments. I have a perfect record, two knockouts. I got knocked out twice. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you what a what a fighter I am. But one of the things, one of the rules was that. You defend yourself. You run. The first rule was run, and the second rule was defend yourself. And then only after you had no other options was there, okay, now you fight. Now you have to respond with violence. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 and that makes logical sense to me. That sounds, that sounds moral. Um, but I think that we have to we have to put that with all of the other very radical statements that Jesus has been saying through this whole section of the sermon. Uh, you know, it, it it it's it's a it's a discussion that I still have with myself. It's a discussion that I still have in my relationship with God. And, uh, but you're right. I just don't see any Christian doing any violence in the Bible. And, uh, and so it means that that is the standard that 
that's the only standard that I can really take up. And so I need to, just as I know I'm not perfect, I know I can say, I know that lust is wrong and I should never, ever lust, but it's a fight. Uh, uh, Any other moral failing that I have, it's always a fight, but somehow the the moral failing of violence in the face of violence is just it's harder and i think it's harder for westerners i think it's harder for americans i think it's harder for people who grew up in in violent neighborhoods um but i think it's still the it's still the fight that we have to that we have to take up uh, because it's it's what Jesus said. It's more than what Jesus said. It's what Jesus did. And uh, but I think that the, I think the discussion needs to continue. And I think we'll get more into it in the next section when we yeah. talk about you know governments and mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. who you know where he says they don't carry the sword for right. nothing. Yep. We we haven't touched the. Uh police officer, right. military, like serving in a government and none of that. Yeah. We, haven't we haven't touched any that. of that yet, but I think as, as far as, and you know, at, at this, at this recording, we're what a week and a half, two weeks away from Martin Luther King day. And of course, Dr. King's stance was nonviolence. Mm-hmm. He, he walked arm in arm with people mm-hmm. carrying no weapons into people who had dogs and batons and guns, and we know what happened to him. Yeah, I think there's a difference too, maybe from that example that we can draw between the personal one-on-one kind of interaction with someone versus an asymmetric power struggle with a government, or um, I mean, you could even say like a um, cultural or religious, uh, like what you know persecution that the Christians faced in the first century, uh, or even mobs, right? Like mob, you know, that's like, so what do you, what do you do in that situation? I think that look might look different. Like, okay, well, I, I guess if I can't get away from this, um, I'm, <laughs> this might be it. Mm-hmm. And how do I die now with grace? And, uh, how can I draw like what Stephen did to, to look to God in that situation or, um, I don't know. I'm also reminded of, uh, is it Tertullian that said the seeds of the church or the blood of the saints is the seeds of the church, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I, that in those situations, if we face them, we would be called to entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. And somehow mm-hmm. God has a purpose for this that we don't understand, but to still trust him. Mm-hmm. Can I ask about that? And this is probably close to where we'll end. Because I, I, that doesn't make that idea doesn't make sense to me. I do see that. I mean, in the New Testament, the Christians are obviously being persecuted by the Romans, by the religious elite. In but that's that's the situation. But if the if the argument is, you know, if you're gonna die anyways because you can't defend yourself because the other side's too powerful. You might as well die with grace. What's the logical conclusion if, well, then you're on an equal power structure. I just, I don't see how 
I don't see how the teachings of Jesus and the and the the example of Jesus and the church change when it's not you know the U.S. coming at me with their military versus you know it's a guy on the street coming at me um, who I could I could duke out. Uh, I I think the guy on the street coming at me, I would run away maybe, or I would like ask for help or I don't know. I guess, I guess what I was hearing before was you were, I thought you were saying, and, and this is why I'm, I'm going to clarify because I don't want to put words into your mouth or assume something you're not saying. But I thought you were saying, you know, someone like Martin Luther King, you know, or, or anyone in the new Testament, you know, there's asymmetrical authority. So, they're non-resistant. They're not retaliating. But maybe that retaliation could be acceptable if there's oh, an equal power no. dynamic. Okay. No, I wasn't saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, so, I so was saying it might be impossible for you to, to escape. There might be nowhere you yeah. can escape to. There's no chance for you to get out of it. There's no way out. And right. you're just going to get killed like steven who's yeah. like in the sanhedrin and there's no way for him to run yeah. he's surrounded yeah it's it okay. that's it okay well i'm i'm really glad i clarified then because i grossly misunderstood you um and and honestly i think that th- that might kind of be a good place for us to stop here uh and the reason for that i know we don't like to necessarily land on stuff in a particular <laughs> episode um but my goal for asking this set of questions here is really to get us thinking and wrestling with the broader uh, New Testament and thinking about how does Jesus' teachings here in Matthew 5 fit into everything else that we're seeing in the witness of the church. Um, I think there's a, a lot to say there that would favor an interpretation of Matthew 5 that doesn't end at insult but includes that even in the cases of assault or physical danger, that we're called to love our enemies, that we're called mm-hmm. to not retaliate. Mm. Uh, and that's, in a nutshell, how I would summarize my understanding of this and the, the rest of the New Testament on this teaching. Um, but there are some really cool questions uh, and meaty questions for us to dive into uh, around the basically the government and how we um, are connected to the government and what we do with that. And so I think uh, that's going to take a little bit more time. And so we're going to come back for a part six. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.